Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold. And this hour, Todd Mulliken is joining me. And we're going to talk about perfectionism. Are you a perfectionist or do you live with someone who is a perfectionist? I'm sure there's some things about it that you like and some things about it that drive you crazy. So if you have a question or a comment or anything you'd like to ask about perfectionism, the text line is already open. It's 8 Seven seven nine three three two four eight four. Todd has a uh, an office here in Edina, Minnesota. He's a counselor, and author, and speaker on marriage and families. And Todd, always nice to have you in the studio. Thank you, Bill. Yeah, yeah. So I think it, right out of the shoot, we should kind of define what perfectionism means. Mm. What does that mean? <laughs> yeah, I it's, have I already stumped you? <laughs> This yeah. is not good. No, right. Yeah, uh, what are you talking be, about today? Yeah, there shouldn't be this much delay. <laughs> no, well, I just, how far do I want to go into it? Like, it's a part of anxiety, which is what we talked about last time. So one strain of anxiety, one leg of it ends up being people that are ruminating about what they're not yet and what what isn't good. You know, four things happen during the day, three that are wonderful, one that's difficult, they lock and load in on the one thing that's difficult, ruminate on it, like we talked about last yeah. time. That house and that of, produces the anxiety, doesn't it? And it produces the anxiety, yep. and then their sense of perfectionism locks in. They just don't feel like they're enough. They haven't got it right. And then they're very, fairly rigid in it. So it's also a trait that can be involved in OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. Mm-hmm. So they lock in on it pretty tight and just don't know how to let go of it. Yeah, well, let's talk about some of the plus sides to perfectionism because if you are a LASIK eye surgeon, I hope you're a perfectionist. Correct. Uh, Yeah. So we can use that. Almost any trait you and I have, Bill, I think there's a blessing side and then a shadow side sometimes. So the upside to your great point about the energy that perfectionism brings is it helps us run into things and, and try things and to be strident and to be have a sense of excellence in it, right? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we try to take that verse, you know, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect, not as, a, oh, I'm not there yet, but like, God, I get to run towards that with Jesus. You know, I get to pursue a sense of excellence about what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So you're right. It can be used for good, right? It can be used to edify our story and help us know that we have gifts and talents and we want to we wanna do it with excellence. We want to mm-hmm. do it with a sense of um, confidence in Jesus. So maybe it started when you were young and mom and dad said, uh, f- four A's and a B. Why the B? You could have had a perfect report card. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. all of a sudden you, you think, well, I, four A's is pretty good. And the B was in a class I didn't really like that much, but I feel like I've let somebody down or I'm not living up to some standard that I should be living by. So there's the heaviness. There it is. Yeah. And I would offer to you, if all three kids in that home heard that same message, one would say to the parents, like, I don't care. One and a half of the other one, you know, one and a half of the father, the remaining two, if you would, would say <laughs> like, hey, you know, oh boy, I did get a B and oh, oh, and I maybe, oh, 
and now I'm locked in on it, and I, I, I want their approval, and they seem upset, and now I'm defined more by what mom and dad think about the bee, and now they're locked in. Does that make sense? So have, oh, yeah. there are genetic kind of predispositions and how God has made us that make us either, you know, or that 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 message is really loud, or that message isn't quite as loud. But you're right. One of the roots of perfectionism is kind of the growing up in a system that has a fair amount of, I mean, if you will, a shaming parent. Bill is somebody that looks for what's wrong, never gives their child the idea that they'll measure up, and they control the home with their emotions. So that kiddo that's in there is going to be more vulnerable. It's one of the risk factors that we call it for anxiety issues or for perfectionism. Mm-hmm. So good call out on your part. Well, I, I think as parents might be encouraging kids to do their very best work and to do it with excellence and to finish the job well, I, I, that seems to be like a wonderful thing. You know, if if a person comes over and retiles your bathroom and you look at the caulking and you go, it's perfect. <laughs> that is just the way I want it, you know? And you, and you go... This is a this is a skilled person doing excellent work, yeah, and, and that's what we love. We want that. Oh, we do. We want yeah. it all day long. Right. So, again, as a parent, we're all trying to figure it out. If we are a parent, how do we do that well? How yeah. do we encourage? Oh, yeah. How we encourage the four A's, but also, hey, what's your sense of the plan for the B? Or how, how's that? You know, what do you think, honey, about the B? And you know, that's different than four A's. You know, great, but what about the B? And just always focus on the B only, right? Yeah. So where's our Where's our energy towards? And it's kind of what we talked about last time with anxiety, right? Are we doing what if only, or are we also going what is true, right? The what if of the B, the B, the B, and the what is is like, well, four A's, thank you. That was good. Yeah. Right, so we're living in attention of both. But perfectionists will build ruminate like we talked about, but then really get rigid in it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Where, and this is what we can, maybe can talk about next segment, is they, they really want to then either do it perfect or not at all. So one shadow side of perfectionists that we all battle if we have it is that we will will tend to get in lockstep with pathological doubt we call it where we're just always questioning is that good enough am i doing it right and then we'll just keep putting it off until we get it right Mm -hmm. and then that's what procrastination sets in a lot for the people that have that issue yeah i'm very interested todd uh todd mulliken is my guest about how perfectionism can be a, a real uh, burden in marital relationships where, you know, the, maybe the, maybe the man will put a pillow on the couch and the wife will come by and move it 3%. And you're going, okay, it wasn't perfect in her opinion or vice versa. Right. Right. And, um, how you sort through that. Right. So hopefully the person, one of the issues of, again, OCD is only one to 3% of the population, but you know, it's not 50%, but But some people still want the, you know, the pillow to be whoop, kind of perfectly yeah, symmetrical, right. right? Right. And then hopefully the spouse who put it there and their, their spouse that corrects it is going like, ah, eh, you know, they, they like it a little bit more perfect than I do. I'm cool, whatever. So okay. hopefully we can let that go. But one of the issues for perfectionists is that they're usually really hard on themselves, which then means what? They're usually hard on Ooh, the other person, yeah. right? They're, they're, they're used, they're comfortable with the one thing they haven't done right. So then I, as a perfectionist, am very aware of the one thing my spouse isn't doing right. I'm just kind of locked on it. I just see it. I just, <laughs> I go there, right? We go there quicker when we're perfectionistic versus like, 
breathe. Yeah, that's true. And here are the other things that are beautiful and wonderful and true too. Mm-hmm. And where's our focus? So one of the things we want to do when we're a recovering perfectionist is know like, yeah, we want to seek to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect and strive to be excellent and strive after God's heart. Uh, and we have to be willing to accept we're going to make mistakes, we're going to fall short, and that's okay. God holds us in that, comforts us in that, helps us land in his lap with that versus taking that all on. Mm-hmm. And that's are, the dilemma. Yeah. Are you a perfectionist? Or maybe you are in a relationship with somebody who is. I would love to hear your question or comment for Todd Mulliken. You can text it over to 877 933 2484. I suppose it can be a blessing or a burden or a mixture of both all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, it, it can be both. But I, I think what's the good takeaway to start is is knowing like, let me, if I sense I have that tendency, what do I, I get to really kind of slow that down and and really bring the Holy Spirit into that with me and receive his comfort and help me know as a spirit of truth what is true about this. Am I really kind of giving too much attention to something that doesn't matter that much? You know, Mm -hmm. the pillow doesn't have to be shifted as much that way. It's still going to be okay. Let me breathe through it. God is still on the throne. It's okay. Mm -hmm. So would a perfectionist always be fixating on the imperfections and trying to control outcomes or situations? That's now we're getting in, in the weeds of perfectionism. That's okay. that's the struggling perfectionist, yeah. is, right? Is is it a mental disorder? It's not a mental disorder, okay. but okay. it's a part. It can it's not, it can be completely separate from OCD, and a, it is a part of OCD. Does that make sense? So somebody can have just some perfectionistic kind of language, and they've been exposed to it, like you said, in a home where it's a little bit of that shamey stuff, but it doesn't land in the to the place where it becomes actually an impairment in their life. If it's a part of OCD, OCD is known by its rigidity and its hyper-focus and its dysregulation. Yeah. So if it's a part of that, then then we really have got some struggles. Yeah. Todd, maybe you can give us a difference between someone who would say, well, I'm not a perfectionist, but I'm a high achiever. <laughs> I, I'm, yeah. just, I'm a high yeah. achiever. Yeah. And so, so my, my, my bar is set high. Yeah. And am I comfortable with that? And, and am I okay if... I didn't quite reach the bar I wanted to, but I really gave it my best shot and I'm able to move on with the day or am I up till four in the morning, four nights in a row to make sure I am perfect next time? Because sometimes the weeds come in there and we dive into the weeds because we're always operating like I'm not enough. I'm not there. It's not enough. So if I'm striving for excellence and I am a high achiever, there's goodness in that, right? Mm -hmm. But after we... So the other thing that perfectionists really perfectionists really struggle with is celebrating success, right? They they don't take a minute to go, God, Lord, that was beautiful. That was true. You you worked so well in that with me. That was amazing. There's Let me too watch much that highlight business, film. isn't there? Right. Well, well, yeah, yeah, you got Todd. But I, I know we won the Super Bowl. Fine. <laughs> but hey, let's, now we got to go back here because who we, who are we playing next? You know, in six months, right? So they they really struggle with just giving themselves permission to. To land in gratefulness and to land in contentment in Jesus and go, that was good. Mm-hmm. There's goodness in there. Yeah. So, Todd, if I am a perfectionist and I've got some goals or some things I'd like to do, and am I being pushed towards them out of fear? Am I afraid that if this doesn't turn out perfect, I'm going to be in trouble? 
Anxiety is repressed fear. Okay. So most of the language, most of the motivation is driven from a place of fear. So ideally what we're doing is we're trying to get ourselves in a place of contentment first in the Lord, as we talked about last time we were here. Like, how do we get a pursuit of contentment that Paul talks about later in those verses in Philippians 4? When I'm operating out of a contentment, like I'm, I'm striving for excellence and I'm trying to find contentment in that plenty, then there's goodness in that. Yeah. But if it's a never enough and I'm afraid of not measuring up, then it'll never be enough. Mm-hmm. We're talking to Todd Mulliken today about perfectionism. Maybe you are one yourself, or maybe you have someone in your life who is one, and you find it difficult to manage that relationship. Or maybe you're really hard on yourself, and you're concerned that your perfectionism might be uh, pushing other people away. If you have a question or a comment, we'd love to hear it. Uh, 877-933-2484. That's the text line. 877 877- Nine three three two four eight four. We'll be right back with Todd Mulligan. Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done on earth as in heaven. Right here in my heart. Father, let your kingdom. Thanks so much for listening to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Hey, I'm Susie Larson. If you enjoy what you're finding here, consider subscribing to some of our other Faith Radio podcasts, like mine, for instance. You can search Suzy Larson Live at MyFaithRadio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit subscribe and have a great day. Thank you for joining me today. I'm speaking to Todd Mulliken, and we're talking about perfectionism. So if you have um, uh, perfectionism in your life or you know someone who does, uh, we're going to try to sort through this today. Some good questions and comments have come in. Thank you for all of those comments and questions. I'm going to get to some of them. Here's one, Todd. In my experience, narcissist and perfectionist are cousins. I may be wrong. Mm. What's your thought on that? So narcissism is... You know, we've talked about the nine symptoms that somebody can have to be have a narcissistic personality disorder. And but what we would say about people that are narcissistic, Bill, is they can have a comorbid condition of anxiety. So if somebody is really anxious, Bill, they either are wanting to in their fear want to control and overmanage, or they want to withdraw and not come out to play and just turtle up. So for those people that take their anxiety into control and over-management, they will come off very narcissistically. Well, does that make sense? They won't come off with an empathetic, like, hey, I don't really, you know, you want the pillow different than I do? That's okay, it's fine. I mean, using that as just a mild example, they will want to be right and in their place of fear and needing to be right, it'll come off in a very narcissistic fashion. And usually that has to do with underlying trauma where they were never right growing up and now they're going to be right all the time, but there's a lot of untreated anxiety in there. Mm -hmm. So with some narcissistic people, it's a root cause of anxiety that's been untreated that comes out now with controlling and they usually then marry somebody that's very non-controlling and very go along with the show, kind of an easygoing person and the easygoing person doesn't confront and say, God, that was really hard when you said that and I'm not okay with that. You know, so the person just continues to, um, in their dysregulation, control the home, and it comes off in a narcissistic way. Mm-hmm. Interesting comment from a listener that said, perfect 
is an unfortunate rendering within Matthew 5.48. Our usual connotation of perfect is flawless, without any mistake. However, the Greek word from which perfect is typically the English translation has instead the idea of complete while fully functional. So when Jesus is saying that portion of the Sermon on the Mount, he is indicating for us to be complete by loving our enemies right along with anyone and everyone else. And we're striving for that, right? We are striving. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. I I do too. Thank you for that comment. That's really nice. Um, There's a challenging one. I'm about to meet with my mom to clean up items after my dad's death. Please pray for me. She's 10 times what you're speaking of. Please comment on to how to give grace like my dad did, who enabled 80 years old and nothing getting better, only amplified. Mm. Well, we mentioned, uh, I mentioned OCD in the first segment. And OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, used, used to be a part of the anxiety disorders. But we noticed that there's other things that were tied to it. So it became its own section. And in that section of OCD is also hoarding. And people that have this uh, desire to be perfect and want things to be perfect, sometimes you will see in there an inability to let go of things. It's not always the cause of hoarding. There's many other causes. But one of the ways it can show up is just keeping things, needing things, never letting go of things, having a sense of perfection about it. And then this this listener said it perfectly. Oftentimes the person that's married to that person just lets it go, lets it go, lets it go. And then isn't really helping, it's really kind of enabling. Mm-hmm. It's grace-like, but it's not confronting ever, you know? Mm-hmm. So remember, Jesus came full of grace and truth. Right. And right. so, yeah, uh, I guess the gift I, I would offer this this person is to walk alongside mom in that, in the grief, and then let her in occasionally about if there's a, a something that lands difficult in a difficult way for him and always say, you know, let each other in versus take something out on that person. So he could say, golly, when you, you know, it sounded a little perfectionistic, mom, I love you, but what do you think about that? And can we have a conversation about that? Doesn't mean you have to have an hour conversation, but just a brief kind of letting her in while he's helping. Right. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be the main thing he talks about, but maybe he brings it up in a moment in a context and be praying for that window, but praying for that context, not that, Mom will change, but just to bring it up to her in a, from a place of love. Mm. But most of it will be just knowing her, seeing her as Jesus sees her, not trying to change her, but understanding the dilemma that she's in and just, you know, having grace with her through it. Yeah. It's a challenge because at 80 years old, right? We're not, how, right. How, how pliable are you? Yeah. And I got a follow-up text that said, totally a hoarder. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot yeah. of stuff. And if you go to help and you want to be kind and loving and helpful, but if she's dictating how everything's going to go and the the hoarding and the perfectionism could make for a very tough, very tough um, exchange. It will. Yep. Yep. So we're going to have a bunch of exchanges over that four-hour period. Probably and, more than four hours. Right. It's probably it four, be four days or four months. weeks. Who knows? <laughs> but whatever shifts he's going over yeah. there for, right? As he's helping her through the process, probably the whole thing, right? So, yeah, I just ask him to pick his spots. But for him, I'd, I'd I don't ask know if him it's to him. I'm just throwing oh, sorry. that out. It might yeah. be her. Sorry. Yeah, yeah right. for that for that person, you know, when they're going there, just to be really like, you know, God, I'm God, you're with me in this. I understand my mom's story. I understand her struggles. I know I'm enough in you to just walk alongside her. But in, in a confident posture, also say, God, I think 
we, we can let go of that, Mom, or walk me through it. You know, mm-hmm. just, so just giving her some encouragement to, to you know, so a, a gentle challenge towards Mom is okay. It doesn't mean we're trying to change Mom. She's 80, but it means we are wanting to get through the process a little bit. Yeah, a well-measured, kind question could even trigger an argument. For sure. I mean. Right, because there's never been a confrontation, and now she's in grief, right? So she could be, in in her grief process, she could be in a place of really, you know, you know, anger is the second stage of grief. She could be really angry or irritable or just frustrated, right? Yeah. So we're not trying to change everything. We're just trying to... He's asking the question, oh, what can I do? Yeah, that's why right. the requesters pray for me. And yeah. we will we will pray Definitely for you. Do that. So thank you. Um, another question, Todd, Todd Mulligan. How do I stop dictating the mood of my household with my emotions when I have very codependent personality by nature? Mm. So this person has a codependent personality themselves by nature? It sounds that way. Yeah. How do I stop dictating the mood of my household with my emotions mm. when I have... Uh, very codependent personality by nature. So ideally, if I'm hearing that right, we want that person not to take on the environment and take on the issues that everybody is having. And we want to make sure what I get to do as that person is regulate my own engine first in Christ, where I'm going into that day, I'm going into that moment with my sense of I'm gonna I'm gonna stay as emotionally, you know, healthily regulated in Jesus as I can. Here's the truth about what's coming up this afternoon in my relationship with my kids. Here's what's going on with my spouse this morning. You know, I'm proactively going into it with what I am for and the environment I'm going to bring into the situation versus being triggered or managed by the other person's reactions and what they're doing. It's part of what I talk about in my book. You know, how do how do I be an inside out person? How do how do my authentic self and Jesus come towards this these people? and do it in a regulated way, the outside in-person says, well, if I say that, then this person will do this, or this person is re- reacting this way, so I better not do that. Now we're on our heels all the time. So how can this person... So the way we release codependency is to be more in our inside in Christ and bring that toward versus being defined by how it goes or what the other person is doing. Mm-hmm. I like that. So that's... And that's a, that's a freedom... That's a release of freedom when the person can do that because most of the time the codependent person is always taking stuff on, right? And their body is going like, oh, there's no room for that emotionally and spiritually. Mm-hmm. If you, Great question. Oh, yes. Thank you. It's always a good time to show Christ's love to a hurting world through acts of kindness. So you can join our Kindness Always initiative at myfaithradio.com. You should check it out. And if you want to receive a daily email featuring a nice scripture graphic. You can sign up for the verse of the day email also at myfaithradio.com. Todd Mulligan is my guest in studio. We're talking about perfectionism. If you suffer from it, or maybe you're in a relationship with someone who does, you can uh, send over a comment or a question. The text line is open just for you. It's 877-933-2484. And I'll give it to you one more time, 877-933-2484. And you can learn more about Todd at his website. It is toddmullican.com, T-O-D-D-M-U-L-L-I-K-E-N.com. Be right back.
It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. Drive time, drive time, let's get it started. Jump in your car, what's for dinner? It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. Welcome to the show. If you just climbed in your car, I hope you had a great day. I hope uh, whatever you were doing just now, maybe it was work, maybe you were visiting a friend, maybe you had a late lunch and you're just getting in your car. I'm jealous. That would be, that'd be a lot of fun, wouldn't it, to have a, like a four-hour lunch with a friend? I don't know. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> it would be kind of fun. But we're talking about perfectionism today with Todd Mulliken, and some great questions have come in and great comments. If you have one, maybe you are a perfectionist yourself or you live with someone who is, and you've got a concern or a question, text it over 877-933-2484. Here's an interesting comment. My relationship with Jesus has recently helped me with a big part of my perfectionism. Having perfectionism does not mean you have everything perfect. On the contrary, I've been suffering severely from keeping my house clean and organized. I literally would just let it all go. I would panic, not knowing where to start. So Jesus took me and told me I don't need to be perfect. So he has taken me to working slowly and doing one thing at a time. I don't need to impress anyone. That's Todd Mulliken clapping. Let's go. All right. Comment. Oh, let's counselor. go. Well, remember uh, last time we talked about Philippians 4, verses 6, be anxious about nothing but by prayer and petition bring your requests to God. What I heard her do is Jesus took her into this process, which in my opinion means, you know, she gave herself permission to take time in prayer to bring the Lord into the process. The spirit of truth has helped her slow down and now see what is true and see what she gets to do from a place of contentment versus perfectionism. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Yeah, That's what we notice, the transformative nature oh, yeah. of slowing down enough. And honestly, Bill, like in these moments of dysregulation, when the need to be perfect is louder than the need to slow down, those are the moments where we just know, okay, I know I have a quiet time coming today at 9 o'clock. And in that quiet time, maybe I can't slow down now, but in my quiet time, I'm going to. In my quiet time, I'm going to bring the Holy Spirit in and just sit with me about this area where I'm really striving to be perfect in. And how can I hear my comforter, my advocate, my spirit of truth, recreate the narrative of what is true, what is beautiful, what is righteous, what is, you know, of praise, all those things we read about in verse 8 of Philippians 4. This woman did a beautiful job of bringing the Lord in, and Jesus has been transforming her story slowly each day, which mm -hmm. is the beautiful road of transformation, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Todd Mulliken is my guest. Todd, let's talk. Uh, I've got a question for you about, this is my question. Do perfectionists uh, set goals that are reasonable or do they set goals that are out of reach? There you go, the latter. Yeah, unrealistic. So one of the keys when we're working with perfectionists is help them set realistic goals. Interesting. Because they don't. They're unrealistic. And 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 then, then when they can't get there as soon as they want to, they start doubting themselves. And if they have obsessive-compulsive tendencies, they'll get into a doubt pathology where they will really procrastinate and really go into, well, if I can't do it perfect, I'm not doing it at all. So when we set realistic goals, it kind of flies in the face of what you were saying earlier, like, hey, I'm a high achiever, right? So sometimes high achievers can set realistic goals, but more often than not, we can set unrealistic goals, and then we're really 
you know, hurting ourselves and making us more vulnerable to that perfectionistic kind of uh, tendency. Mm-hmm. So, Todd, if I am a, a if I am a perfectionist, which I'm not, and I set um, an unreasonably high goal and I don't meet it, I'm feeling depressed because I did not meet my goals. Then what? Yeah. Then ideally, we're trying to remember whose we are and who our, whose our identity is in, and go like, well, what is the truth about how God sees this? You know, God is comforting me, saying like, hey, let's. I'm with you in this. Maybe let's redesign the goal a little bit in a way that's realistic. And and then how am I receiving that from the Holy Spirit? Am I challenging that or am I just receiving like, that is okay. That's a realistic goal. Here's what's manageable. Or in addition to the Holy Spirit, maybe my spouse, maybe one of my best friends is a good accountability person. I can bring it up to that person too. Like, here's what I'm battling. You know, I, I really believe if we have a person or two in our life, uh, or a spouse to to really walk alongside us in that, not to be our social worker, but to just be our you know our, our comforter, if you will, and just give us a good word or give us a thought or give us a challenge. I think that's good too, because otherwise, with perfectionism and anxiety, Bill, we also kind of can get really isolated and get alone in that, and then the house of fear gets even bigger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Todd, what about something like? procrastination. If you are a perfectionist, can you procrastinate when you say, I've got to clean my house top to bottom, everything, bathrooms, kitchen, dust, everything. And I've only got three hours. So I don't, that is not enough time. Ah, you know, or you could spend an hour cleaning the bathrooms and And that's enough. (laughs) That's plenty. Yeah. Yeah. But you see that big picture and you go, I don't have the time to get it all done the way I want to. It'll be less than perfect. I'm going to already start procrastinating. Is wow. that is that something that could happen? That's a thing. Can I tell you a quick procrastination story? Oh, please. So I was asked to give a, a talk on the causes and cures for procrastination. It's going to be a Saturday morning, 9 to noon. 50 people was all the limit. Okay. <laughs> Rosie knows where this is going, probably. I'm sorry, I'm already laughing. <laughs> so Wednesday before the Saturday seminar, I get a call from the facility. I only got three people signed up. Yeah. You know, I said, oh, yeah, I don't care. I was yeah. fine. Oh. It's two more than I would have had. <laughs> <laughs> so let's cancel it. No, and I, I, said, cancel That's, it. I said, and I usually would say, fine, let's cancel it. No big yeah. deal. Yeah. But I said, now consider the topic. <laughs> right? Consider yeah. the topic. Yeah. And so Saturday morning at 9 o'clock, there was 46 people there. Okay? And 30 of them signed up on Thursday evening. The rest signed up on Friday. So a lot of times people that procrastinate much is accomplished through last-minute effort versus much is accomplished through regular steady effort. So I just throw, I'm just i throwing it out there because procrastination is a thing whether it's based on perfectionism or not. So people that have are perfectionists, they will procrastinate because you said it perfectly, Bill. I can't do it perfect. I'm not going to do it at all. Yeah. And then the indecisiveness comes in, and then the doubt comes in, typically. Mm-hmm. Doubting themselves and feeling overwhelmed by it and then feeling just depressed in it. And that's where anxiety and depression can be cousins, the anxiety drives the fear, the worry, the rumination. Then the sadness comes in, or the you know just the low energy comes in. The overwhelming feelings come in, mm-hmm. and now we're really almost sometimes even vulnerable to an episode of depression for a week or two. We're really just stuck and overwhelmed. So yeah. ideally, we're getting ahead of it and recognizing, like you said, hey, an hour's a start, and that's okay. Yeah, right. 
Here's a question, Todd Mulliken. I ask my son to do chores, and when I see it not getting done, <laughs> I will just sigh and not say much else. Could this be because I'm a perfectionist? Yeah, but good. That's a good call out, right? Especially if we're noticing in somebody else. You know, just to offer a thought quick, like I mentioned earlier, some people much as accomplished through regular steady effort, other people much as accomplished through last minute effort. So I do think, and it's a whole other topic, but parenting with chores thing in general, know the uniqueness of your kid. We all have the same chores, but you know, you know, one of the three is going to do everything at the last minute. One of the three is probably going to knock it out, you know, all the way through early on. One of them might not listen to you, whatever. But like the one where you're watching and going, why aren't they doing that with their time? Is that person that wants to kind of, and I'm very much like that myself, like control the situation. Well, why aren't you, you know, I, I, I told you to do it and, you know, just do it, right? Oh, and they're doing that. What, what are they doing? Mm-hmm. Why aren't they doing it? You know, so versus some people like, well, you know, okay, yeah, I'll get to that later. I got, you know, some people, Bill, are just really motivated by deadlines. And people that are procrastinators are motivated by a deadline, not by a regular steady effort. Yeah. So how do we know the uniqueness of our kids and how they're wired? Not We're spoiling some and not spoiling others. Just like, how are they each wired? We're having the same rules, but we know the uniqueness of each of our kids. Mm-hmm. Todd Mulliken is my guest, and Todd, I know people are jumping in their cars at different times. We touched on this question earlier, but I still think it's a really good question because it's the difference between striving for excellence versus perfection. Yeah. I mean, we all want to be striving for excellence. Yeah. How do we just not cross over into that sea of perfectionism where we go, uh-oh, I might be in trouble? What's What's the motivation? Right? Is my motivation one of like... My identity's in Christ. I, I get, is this a get to or a have to, right? I, I get to do this because I have an opportunity today to to do the best I can in Jesus. And and I'm, I know that, you know, if, if, I, if you will, I'm doing my best and God's got the rest, you know, a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. is my motivation one of knowing that, you know, my desire is to serve him, but I know him and I know that he's for me. And so that motivation helps me, you know, maybe not strive for perfectionism because I know the Lord knows in my heart. My heart is like I'm striving to do well and that's good. But if I'm striving to be perfect from a place of fear, now my motivation is actually fear. What if I don't do it perfectly? What if I, you know, mm-hmm. then the what ifs come in and that's when we're off. That's, that's when anxiety is loud. Yeah. Um, another message came in. I'll call him Reed because his name is Reed. Um, but he said, I, I find that sometimes I wait to commit to sign up for something if I'm not sure I want to go. And then I use my pressure and feelings at that last minute. Yeah. And, you know, and that's, that's a that, good call I think out. we all do that, don't yeah, we? Yeah, that's wonderfully said. You put pressure on yourself and go, okay, I'm at the rubbers meeting the road. Am I going to go or not, right? <laughs> right. And that kind of helps you get across the finish line, doesn't it? It's, it can, yeah. I, I, I find myself saying get to versus have to quite a bit. So got Say this, more about that, Todd. Hey, I, I get to do this today versus I have to. You know, you know, I have this opportunity that comes up. This person said, you know, got this commitment coming up. You know, is this life-giving or is this one more thing? Oh, you know, nice. do I get to do this or, or is what I have to do this? It doesn't mean we only do things we get to do, but we have things that we have to do and get done. But in that kind of moment, sometimes this last minute pressure is all about like, ah, I'm going to put it off, put it off, put it off till how I feel in the moment versus like, well, let me, you know, sit with this for a second with the Lord. Is this a get to or a have to? Is this sometimes life giving or does it feel like one more thing? Mm-hmm. Sometimes that can help. Yeah. Uh, Todd, so if there's a chance 
I'm a perfectionist, which I don't think I am, but am I afraid, am I fearing judgment or disapproval from others? Mm. Is that going to drive me to try to be like, this perfectionist? Because if I'm, if you're a perfectionist, where's the criticism? You can't criticize that. It's perfect. Right. Correct. Yep. And again, you, you brought it up early in the show about the parent that said, you know, three A's, one B. Yeah. And if that kid is dwelling on the one B and they're, they're, they're defined by how the parent sees them, then they're defined by how others see them and they're defined by how it goes. So how others view them is their motivation. Like you said, mm-hmm. that makes sense. So they're yeah. motivated by how it looks yeah. versus motivated by what I'm, you know, if you will, a God pleaser versus a people pleaser. But even with perfectionists, knowing that they're trying to please God, are they doing it from a place of I'm not enough in the Lord versus I know I'm saved and I know, you know, God's got this with me. He's walking alongside me and he's comforting me in it. Let me slow down and do like that woman said, like, let me just slow down and realize we're in this together. It's okay. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Moving from a motivation out of fear versus a pursuit of contentment. Yeah. Todd, if I am a perfectionist, am I caught in a cycle of comparing myself to others? Absolutely. Okay. The, and that's, the sin of comparison yeah, is that's huge. always the worst, isn't it? Yeah, versus I'm thrilled that this person does that well, good for them. Here's my areas of strength. This one isn't really as much as my strength, so I'm you know, working on that a little bit, but it's not from... A place of not enough, but a, a place of, you know, God is, you know, I'm, my identity is in Christ. But I'm, the other thing I found, Bill, is when we're for others and they're in their successes and, and we, have, you know, we're excited for other people's success, that gets me out of the comparison a little bit, if that makes any sense. It gives more of the power to what is true about my view of others. And I'm for others as a Christ follower. I'm for empowering other people in the good things that they're doing versus trying to compare myself to what they're doing. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a little break. We come back more with Todd Mullican. You can learn more about Todd at toddmullican.com. That's M U L L I K E N. Mullican. Mullican. M U L L I K E N. I love playing with his name. All right. We'll be right back. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting MyFaithRadio.com. Welcome to the show. Todd Mulliken is my guest. We're talking about perfectionism. And I'm wondering, Todd, among the other things we've discussed, if I'm living in, a, in a, an environment with a perfectionist, that environment is not one where I feel accepted. Mm. I'm on walking on eggshells. Yeah. If you know, I'm asked to do the chores and I'm not doing them correctly, I might have eyes that say, well, that is not being done right. Yeah. You know? Uh, so... Yeah, how do we how do we create an environment where you feel accepted when you're in an environment with a perfectionist? So if I'm in an environment with a perfectionist, or if I'm in an environment with somebody that's difficult, what the first thing I'm telling people a lot these days is don't be defined 
by their stuff. Be defined more by whose you are in Christ. It doesn't mean we're dismissive and devaluing of them, but we're, our goal isn't to take on their stuff and then be defined by that and then have then be just stuck in that. Does that make sense? I know I'm with a perfectionist. That is what is true. But I, I have a place of my own strength and identity in Christ where I know the truth. I see them. I mean, you've heard me say this. I see the perfectionist. I see actually where the roots of it come from maybe. Instead of giving power to it, like they're that, and now what do I got to do about that, right? I'm going to do less of that and more about it. I'm going to do, you know, oh, it sounds like you're frustrated with that, uh, you know, that the pillow wasn't right. Gotcha. I'm, but I'm fine with the way it is, sweetie. Sorry. You know, that's just where I'm at. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, not dismissive, but also not taking it on, right? So I'm, I'm staying in the conversation, Bill, but I'm not giving power to what, who they are, if I hope that makes sense. My identity's in Christ. I can see they're stuck. I can see they're broken in, the, in, a, in a perfectionistic mindset. But the way I release myself from being codependent on that is not taking it on or adapting or adjusting or giving power to how they are. Okay. So, Todd, let's focus on our identity in Christ. Is, is that a place where we can go for healing and for freedom from some of this perfectionism? Yeah, if we could have kind of a, a few minutes just on basic solutions. Actually, that that the listener earlier just crushed it. So it's really this. Uh, she took you know Philippians four six and seven through thirteen beautifully as a, a method of healing, where we know we bring the holy. We first we slow down in the moment. We bring the Holy Spirit in to remind us whose we are. Remember, the Holy Spirit has been left with us by Jesus talks about him in John 14, 15, and 16. Again, the advocate, the spirit of truth. He's left the Holy Spirit with us. So I'm relying on the Holy Spirit. There are my identities in Christ. So that helps me as I'm moving forward in the day. It helps me moving forward with the, the need to clean the house versus what I'm doing is enough. And that because my identity is in Christ versus the noise of, yeah, but... What about the B, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're happy with the three A's, but what about the B? Oh, I'm so, so happy with the B. Right. I, you know, I got a B. I was four season to B. <laughs> Let's go, right? <laughs> <laughs> there you go, right? There's some contentment in that. Yeah, so. I was very happy with the B. You keep saying the B is bad. Did you knock it off, Molly? <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. And then I'm going to ask us, you've heard me say this before, but what what is true then? You know, what is true about whose I am in Christ. You know, what if that's not working, though? I get that. but So, so it's um, not working, meaning like, mm, it's like, well, oh, I hear you, but I'm going to go, I'm still in the what-ifing? Or? Well, yeah, I mean, well, we're trying to be in that mindfulness state where we, 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 we take our thoughts captive to Christ and yep. we realize it, that we can come to better terms about our perfectionism. Yes, well um, said. Uh, yeah. But, but we still do it, right? Yeah, because yeah. it doesn't happen overnight. Right. You have to keep keep doing it and be intentional about it. Is you that, do, and then you get to be kind enough to yourself and Jesus to go like, yeah, that was a little bit better. For, that was better a day. Yeah. You know, that day was like the past 400 years. Oops, you know. Right. <laughs> that, that was like, oh, there we go. But, and that's, you said it, I'm really glad you brought that up because I think we feel like, well, I'm doing these six steps and I had a two good days, now it's back. Yeah. What happened? And I think you heard me saying the worry thing we did last month about anxiety is like, it's not about that it goes away. It's just God has given us tools to learn how to manage it and regulate it and mm-hmm. and know what is true. So we, 
each time we go well, here, yeah, here's what is true. Yeah, oh, I'm going over to the perfectionist side again. Well, there I go. But now we're, if you will, we're watching it with the Holy Spirit, right? Well, there I go. I'm going over there. I see it, but that's okay. God's with me. Yeah, let me move back over here. And here's what is true. And here's what I get to do today. And this is a, a better hour in cleaning the bathroom than, la- than yesterday was. Hey, I know it's rough with my mom today, and I know she's been journeying with this for her whole life. I'm going to walk out this shift I'm doing today with mom. Here's my best self in Jesus. I'm bringing it. I know her struggle. I'll pick a spot, but I know I'm enough in Christ. And so it is about a proactive mindset, Bill, on a daily basis, mm-hmm. but then not beating ourselves up if we get a, a C the next day. You know, if if we kind of go back to that baseline, oh, shoot, I'm back in that. I thought I conquered that. I prayed over that yesterday, and it was really good. And now that's back. Did I did I pray wrong? No, my identity is still in Jesus. Yeah, right. In 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 the plenty and in the want. I love what Paul said there in that contentment part, right? Of Philippians four, like, hey, I've learned to be in plenty and learned to be in want. And either place, I, my, I've learned to be content in all things. Because why? Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yeah. So, I think. But here's what we notice, Bill, is that when we really are intentional about it, like I've seen people that have had significant anxiety issues or significant narcissistic issues that comes off in perfectionism, and not after a week, not after a month, but after a year or two of commitment to regular prayer, commitment to you know accountability, they start to just feel like the changes are more normative now. And the old stuff is around. You know, Paul still said late in the game, right? I, I, what I want to do, uh, I don't do. What I don't want to do, I still do sometimes, right? Paul didn't say that like right away. It, it's, it would took a, right? So we still struggle. But I've seen people make that change where they're really more accepting of the good days and just know that the tough days, their identity is still in Christ and God is walking through it with them. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise you get discouraged and then you the fear takes over again. Mm-hmm. Todd, offer some counsel to people listening who maybe think, mm, I am a perfectionist, but what they're doing is adding to their own personal stress and it it is then zapping their energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's there's there's a lot of... It's depleting. There's a lot of con to this. There is. It's depleting. Yeah, we... We, we get to slow down and realize, golly, what is the truth about what, what's motivating me here? What's the root cause of this for me? Where does this go back to? What, God, thank you for holding me, and thank you for just slowing me down. Thank you for this hour with Bill to listen to this. Like, I'm going to slow down and realize I, I get to start releasing this to you a little bit, a little bit each day in the moment. So I view life really as a lot of these just little moments where we start with proactive moves in Jesus to go, hey, let me... Let me watch for this today, Lord. You know, help me watch this with you. You know, walk alongside me with this. You know, Holy Spirit, guide me in it. Does that make sense? So yeah. as I'm doing it, then I'm just, I'm seeing it more. I'm more aware of it in Jesus. And that is huge. It's a huge step. And now the the life draining part of perfectionism gets to be a little quieter. And what I get to do and being more self-accepting and content gets more loud. Yeah. And that's the journey, but with perfection, it's just no. We we've got to start. You know, we get we get to start by realizing today is enough, and what I did is enough, and that's mm-hmm. okay. Here's an interesting perspective, Todd from Rosella. She said, 
procrastination may be a perfectionist's best friend. Ideas can percolate in your mind. While avoiding a big task, you may tackle other smaller tasks that you were procrastinating on. Go! I love it. There is a burst of energy and adrenaline just before a deadline, and you don't agonize about every word and revise six times, and you don't risk losing it. So that's a great example of it's not one size fits all, right? So the people that are last minute Lorraines and last minute Larrys, sometimes they're just creative types, right, that are very like in the moment and stuff comes to them in that moment, right? Other people, stuff comes to them in regular kind of patterns of behavior. Yeah. So you're, she's absolutely right. Like, you know, the procrastination certainly can be a problem, but for some people, if they're using procrastination as a way to see what happens and see what is released in me in the last minutes, there's there's beauty in that too. Yeah. It's a great, you, great you, call out. You can't host a live radio show and pretend to be a perfectionist <laughs> because you're proven right? wrong every day. Every day, right? Every day, and it's on tape. <laughs> It's there. For reveal. <laughs> yeah, let me tell you, Todd. Uh, so thank you so much for coming in the studio today and talking about perfectionism. I think we had some some awareness that we made, and we're giving people some tools. I hope you are good to yourself tonight, and, and if you are a perfectionist, you can uh, be mindful of how much Jesus loves you and your identity is in him, not what you're doing getting accomplished or not getting accomplished. I think there's take a deep breath and and let and just let the love of and grace of Jesus flow over you. Um, so that that's my par- my final parting thought. Love it. Thank you Bill, for having me. All Appreciate right, it. Todd, great to have you here. And Todd's website is Todd Mulliken, M U L L I K E N, M U L L I K E N. Toddmulliken.com. That's our show for the day. Thanks to the guys for guide talk and for Todd for being here. It's been Really nice being with you, and I look forward to our time tomorrow. Have a great night, everyone. I'll see you then. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.